the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Hi Ben. Hello. Hi. We're back again. Welcome everybody. It is the theatre show. How are you doing? Oh, you, you can't respond. We'll leave a pause. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice to hear. Nice. How are the kids? Uh, my kids or theirs? Their kids. Okay, listeners. Yeah, my kids are great too. Um, <laughs> pains, everyone's recovering from World Book Day. Um, it's nice, actually, because we've been missed. So I know that some people were listening out for us, waiting for us to be around last week um, or a couple of weeks ago. We did have a bit of an interim, a little extra break between shows because the things are sort of ramping up, but we didn't have loads to cover. Mm. And now we've got loads to cover. Yeah. So that's great. So so those things will be flying at you high velocity. What have we got on today, Susie? Ooh, we've got a couple of reviews. So we went to see Lossless at yes. the Maltings Arts Theatre. Um, and we also went to see Ladies in Lavender mm. at the Abbey Theatre. So two very different kinds of shows. Um, and then we also had a chat with um, Anna Franklin about an upcoming show, um, also at the Maltings Arts Theatre, called The Regina Monologues. Ooh, very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, so where should we start? Uh, I don't know. Where, where where would you like to start, Let's listener? Let's start at the beginning of what we've done. Listener. Yes. Stop asking listener questions. Um, let's go back in time um, and talk about lossless. Yes. So we we had Stephen uh, Cunningham, Stephen Thomas, as his author name, uh, came to talk to us on the show um, last episode. So if you haven't listened to that, stop now. Go back and listen. Okay. Um, so Stephen came to talk to us about his his latest writing project um called lossless mm. tell us about the show ben what was it about so if you can remember the, <laughs> there were two parts of the show one of them uh as steven said on the uh show previously was about uh a older lady who was talking at a grief counseling session sort of a group therapy session about uh her husband and she'd written down this letter that she wanted to write to him uh, but she'd forgotten her glasses, so there's a vaguely comic aspect mm-hmm. to it. Um, and then the other half of it was a man uh, whose sister had died and was talking about um, his experience having to sort of deal with that grief and also look after his niece. Mm-hmm. And my word no, it was, was his that, daughter. Was it his daughter? Yeah, it was his daughter. Ah, right, right, mm. right. Okay. It's like computer. You could yes. like you can't oh. see this, guys. But Ben's just computer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can it. hear. The, you, if you listen carefully, <laughs> you can hear the clonk <laughs> of the cogs working. But anyway, the, the, what I wanted to say is the contrast between the two mm. is the first one was a funny exploration of grief and don't don't comic things happen during serious moments. Sort yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Um, second one was a depiction of grief and my god was that powerful yeah um there was a a moment where the lights went really really low and it almost felt like you were entirely alone with your own thoughts Mm. it was um it was extremely extremely powerful it was yeah i mean it was it was a very moving piece and i think um you know we've we've seen some of stephen's work before where you know he says he likes to kind of um write like a musical like a piece of music so it doesn't necessarily have like a start you know middle and end like a traditional piece of theater so i was slightly apprehensive going in um and then as we sat down we were told don't sit in the reserved seats and of course we sat next to them um (laughs) 
And then I noticed that um, Jane Withers came and sat next to Ben. And I gave him a nudge because I thought, oh, yeah, Ben loves it when the the actors are in with the audience. (laughs) And I thought, oh, no, this is awful. But actually what what happened was, you know, all the lights went down. The light came up on stage to the single microphone and everyone was sitting there going, "Okay, what's happening here? And then there was a lot of noise coming from the front row, a lot of shuffling, someone rummaging through their bags. Everyone's sort of going, who's that that making a noise? (laughs) And then you realise that it was... Um, it was Annette, so mm. you know the um, who was playing this sort of you know first character, and then up she got and just you know launched into it. But I mean, as you say, I think she was um, yeah you know, she'd forgotten her glasses. Um, the character had forgotten glasses, and and so had this wadge of paper that wanted to read but couldn't, and so you just got this stream of consciousness mm. from her, um, which was funny and moving, but you know mainly it was kind of funny and it was it was sweet mm. in some ways um and then she asked for help um at which point then you know there was another awkward silence it's awkward silence and people looking around and saying you know who's gonna help her mm-hmm. and then and then jane got up yeah and she volunteered so there you go um and actually i thought it was it, it you know it served its exact purpose of making us you know we were in the grief counseling group and probably everyone in the theater has experienced you know some form of grief and so it was probably it just added to that kind of audience participation kind mm. of you know getting you really invested in it um what one of the things that it made me think about is um how sometimes you have theater that's like watching the tv mm. and it's like you know you would never be just a fly on the wall in a submarine that's going to do whatever and yeah. so you there's that sort of like fantastical element and what Stephen did here was you had a reason to be there yeah because you were a character yourself you yeah. were someone sitting there you were an extra in the play yeah uh sitting there in this grief counseling session you didn't have any lines thank <laughs> god um, <laughs> but but you were sitting there and you were going through this sort of emotional process mm-hmm. with the characters on stage yeah which you, i think is incredibly powerful it draws you in and makes you you feel a lot more empathetic to the characters yeah and i thought i mean it was it, it was funny well it was, it was funny um you know when when jane sort of got up and started reading this letter again the letter was very stream of consciousness and her reading of it was obviously purposefully very stilted you know Mm. in the way it would be if you started reading someone else's and it was it was interesting to see her then kind of flow into it and then you know at the end it got quite confusing um because it was a stream of consciousness and there was you know um the character had initially said they didn't have children but there was a lot of conversation around you know seeing this image of the the deceased husband like you know leaning over and brushing ash off a child and you're like well was was there a kid have i missed that bit or is there mm. just this sort of is it representative of this child they never had and they maybe had always wanted it was it was quite confusing but it was what was powerful for me was the way that the the girl reading it really had this sort of strong reaction to it and her emotion for it and then you know that she had to kind of basically run off because she was overwhelmed by it it was it was an interesting um kind of technique i guess for for having the two characters involved in that one story Mm. because again you 
it, it could have equally been an audience well it was an audience member that mm. got up but it, it could have equally been you or me that stood up and helped this woman read the, yeah. the scripts like within the narrative of yes. the play yeah we we were all equal there yeah. was there wasn't a sort of distinction between that yeah and then it moved on to number two, didn't it? it sort of phase two. And I guess there was this conversation uh, that, you know, the the first character had about, you know, could, could the lights get lowered? Was the volume right and all of that? And, you know, nothing really happened. But then this, you know, when, when the, the man character got up to, to do his piece, you know, he really insisted, first mm. of all, and it was really awkward, um, that the lights got lowered. And so you had this much dimmer, you know, really dark um, mm. kind of staging for it in the first place. But I mean, it was brutal. It was the second one was brutal, and um, I think the relationship because within the second half, uh, the relationship was really between uh, the man and then whoever it was controlling the lights and yeah. the sound. Yeah. Um, and so the interplay there, where the the only the sort of lighting technician or the the person controlling all of that mm. the only way that they could communicate with him was through manipulating the lights and the yeah. sound to make him happy or sad yeah uh, and to give him what he wanted or not yeah. give him what he yeah. wanted it was a really interesting relationship where he could articulate the man could articulate his feelings perfectly to the person mm. controlling it and the person controlling it could only communicate yeah no interesting yeah and i thought um as well the the contrast between you having the sort of the older female character who'd lost a husband probably more naturally in the course of aging mm. or how it felt um versus the storyline for the man's character where he'd lost his sister you know in an untimely you know due to illness so you picked up on this better than i did that she had an eating disorder that mm. had um apparently to everyone else that was obvious and i was still struggling but i realized that she was sick but as soon as you said that to me i was like obviously that was that because there's mm. lots of you know hints Talking towards about cutting, it, up, your cutting food. up the food really um you know and and painting nails and um you know to cover up um kind of telltale signs of the illness and i just it was it, that real kind of contrast between that sort of more natural process of death and the grieving that that inspires to this untimely early death caused mm. by a you know a, a incredibly difficult illness um and it was it was so emotional mm. and the contrast between the sort of like acceptance that everyone dies mm. and the anger that someone has to die before it's their time yeah. i think was a really it really brought it sort of sharply into focus and i suppose that again the question there were no children involved in the first one versus mm. you know the the younger daughter who was impacted by the loss of her aunt and and all of that so and that um, that was a really dark element actually when uh the man characters started talking about like she started cutting up her food yeah. and things like yeah. that. It, it um, makes your stomach drop, really, yeah. um, thinking about that it being a cycle. Yeah. So, you know, we've made it sound really depressing, which it kind and of it was. was. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest, like, don't go if you don't want to be sad. Sometimes art makes you feel sad. You but know? It, yeah, I mean, but it, a definite reaction. It was, I, I enjoyed it in so much as you can enjoy when things are you know emotionally mm. quite challenging um i thought it was you know i, I thought again Stevenson done a really good job like it was it was beautifully written it was a you know a beautifully tragic story that we got mm. um 
it certainly felt more like there was a start, middle and an end <laughs> to the narratives we were getting, although there was slight confusion in the first one. But I mean, it was um, yeah, really good, challenging piece of yeah. um Congratulations to everyone yeah, involved. Thank you, everyone. It was it was brilliant. Um, so that was that was our first bit that we went to see. Um, let's talk about something that's upcoming um, and join Anna. Well, let's go to wait, talk to me again. Or we'll talk yeah. to me. Um, Who were you Anna, talking to? I was talking to Anna. Uh, Anna Franklin came to the studio to talk to me about the Regina monologues, which is uh, which is coming up at the Malting. So let's uh, go over to her. I am joined here now in the studio with Anna Franklin. Hello. Hello. And you've come to tell us all about the new play you're directing. Yes. So uh, the Regina Monologues, mm. which is coming up at the Mortings Arts Theatre with Ovo. And it's a play that was born in St Albans. Lovely. 15 years ago. Okay. So it was written by a local writer, Rebecca Russell, and her writing partner, Jenny Wafer. And it was originally performed way back in 2005 down at the Abbey Theatre. Okay. uh, With a local cast and local director, uh, Rosemary Goodman directed it. Okay. Um, And it uh, went on with that local cast. um, I should say that I was part of that local cast as well. Okay, so you've you've been in it? (laughs) Yes, so I I played the Anne Boleyn character Mm -hmm. in that original cast. And we took it up to Edinburgh and into London, to German Street and all around Hearts. And it was very well received. It's a great play. And then it was picked up and published by Samuel French. Oh, brilliant. Which was brilliant. So Mm. it's gone on to have a life of its own. It's been performed all over the country. And um, I've always had a great fondness for it. And I thought 15 years on was a good time to revisit it. And But this time, not only in it, but directing it. Yes, I'm in the director's chair this time. Um, and obviously I'm now far too old to be Anne Boleyn, so I've moved up a few <laughs> queens and I'm Catherine Parr. But mm. I get out alive this time. Is that, is so that a promotion? Will you get out alive? Yeah, I guess it's a promotion. <laughs> so tell us about the play itself. I mean, the Regina Monologues. What is it? So it's a reimagining. So tell me about the play itself. What's it about? So it's a reimagining of the six wives of Henry VIII in a modern context. Okay. So... Um, We've got a bedroom that's inhabited by six women who've all at one point lived in there. Mm-hmm. They uh, move around each other. They don't see each other. Oh, okay. So they're all on stage at the same time. The whole play, all six queens are on stage in their bedroom um, and they uh, move around the bedroom, but they don't see each other and they're giving us their monologues. So we hear a little bit from Catherine of Aragon, then Anne Boleyn, then Jane Seymour and mm-hmm. so forth. Then we go back to Catherine of Aragon. Um, and you gradually get each story. Okay. And so it's not like one at a time, here's my monologue, next move on to the next queen. No, you get, you, oh. get, you get sort of six rounds of six monologues. Okay. So you're, you're seeing each story unfold. Um, and uh, we all know divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know more about the history, if you know the details of each of the queens, um, and there is a history lesson that I've written extensively for the programme for that purpose. Helpful, thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about it. I mean, I think a lot of people are. It's such it's such a story that captures the imagination, yes. this, this yeah. extraordinary run of queens. <laughs> I mean, I've never. I, I know I've come across people certainly who are very invested in the story. They've got their favourite. Everyone's got their favourite queen, yeah. as well. So. Yeah, they do. They do. But then the queens that I mean, I'm doing Catherine Parr this time, and, and we don't hear a lot about her because, to be honest, by the time you get to her, people are a bit bored. You know, <laughs> <laughs> last one survived. All oh, right, yeah, sure. But, but now I'm I'm 
doing her she's absolutely fascinating character she was the first woman to publish the first english queen to publish a book under her own name and she ruled as regent and she was incredibly intelligent and kind and principled she was nearly executed she came within a hair's breadth of being executed because the protestant faction um plotted against her and there was actually a warrant drawn up for her arrest and Mm -hmm. she managed to get to henry in time and plead her case and um managed to get out of it but you know there's all these things that we don't necessarily we all know about Anne Boleyn Mm -hmm. you know because that's the that's the really fun part of the story yeah yeah. and Catherine Howard um so yeah so if you know all the details of the Queen's Wives you get all these really clever little hints and in jokes that Rebecca and Jenny have put into the script Mm. it's all woven in so it all each story follows the trajectory of their 16th century counterpart but it's put into a modern context. So a good example is probably our Anne of Cleves. Mm-hmm. So um, Anne of Cleves, most people know the Holbein famous portrait um, that was painted by Hans Holbein the Younger. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to speak for those of our listeners who are going, yeah, of course I know. Carry on. Yeah. So the generally known story about Anne of Cleves is mm. that um, a portrait was painted of her that was that was beautiful and allegedly when she turned up she wasn't quite as beautiful as her portrait. <laughs> that's not necessarily all of the story and that's not necessarily true but yeah, that's yeah. the generally acknowledged. Yeah. So in our story she is um, a woman who is looking for a man online and she's mm-hmm. slightly misrepresented herself via internet dating and there's a little bit more to the story than that as well so you can see where it it, it's a sort of modern reimagining yeah of what happened in the 16th century um no actresses are beheaded during the course of the play good good uh yeah good warning there (laughs) (laughs) our Anne of um our Anne Boleyn and our Catherine Howard do meet their demise but obviously that's in a slightly more modern sense oh intriguing it is intriguing mm-hmm. it's a great play it's yeah. it's funny it's so funny um it's so funny and so clever and then it's funny 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 and then you suddenly get a big punch of um of something really really emotional because obviously some of the characters particularly Catherine Howard yeah um her story is very traumatic and sad yeah so you get a big sock of emotion and then you get a bit more funny and that you know it's it's it, yeah. it's one of those plays that makes you laugh and cry oh know. excellent all right well we will pop back to Anna um shortly thank you Hello, I'm Simon Carver. Join me and Danny Smith on our new podcast, The St Albans Film Guide. Each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema, the top ten, new releases, and also what's on TV over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels. Now, if you want to find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for The St Albans Podcast. Alternatively, you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. So that's The Film Guide with me, Simon Carver, part of The St Albans Podcast in association with The Hearts Advertiser. That was great to hear from Anna, and we'll be hearing from her a little bit more uh, in the upcoming section. But first, Mm. we went to see Ladies in Lavender, and we saw it separately, didn't we? We did, yes. Uh, Because I'll be honest, I was sick of you, Susan. (laughs) It happens, happens a lot. (laughs) But I I dragged uh, dragged Danny with me, and producer Danny came with me to to participate in it. So, um, but we had quite an eventful showing. Um, Oh yes, things that go wrong. We'll talk about what happens at the theatre. But I wanted to say, like just a really well done to the Abbey Theatre for dealing with quite a difficult situation Um, an audience member was taken ill during the first half and so in an unscheduled manner the curtain came down and essentially we got evacuated from the theatre so the ambulance could come in and help the gentleman in question was fine so this is a you know good ending to the story but I mean 
what a challenge for the actors um mm. for the you know the staff i thought it was handled beautifully um you know people were you know well looked after um all's other ends of but you know wow things you, you worry about a mobile phone ringing not you know this kind of thing <laughs> someone so, needing an ambulance yeah, yeah so so there was some extra drama to the drama but mm. I mean, Ladies in Lavender. So the storyline um, for Ladies in Lavender is a couple of, um, you know, sort of older spinster sisters who live a quiet life in, I think, sort of a, a Welsh, is it a Welsh coastal is it, town? I think Cornwall, Cornish, I think. Co- Yeah, probably Cornish <laughs> um, coastal town. And um, they, they sort of live this quiet life. And then all of a sudden, this young um, foreign gentleman washes up on the shore. They nurse him back to health. And, you know, thus the story goes. Yeah. Um, the set can we talk about that first? oh yeah the, the set is like the first thing that you see as you walk into mm-hmm. the theater and i don't know how the abbey theater is going to match it like it, it was stunning it was really beautiful i mean i thought they did they did a cracking job with george's marvelous medicine where you had this sort of um house come farmyard mm. but this was a cottage Mod- like the downstairs of a cottage living room kitchen the upstairs of the cottage mm. it was a garden and it was a beach and it had a kitchen on the side yeah. as well and then a lane down the back yeah. as well and like, it was like you know when people the mainly it was um um Dorcas the character Dorcas that was off in the kitchen mm. it was kind of in the wings of the stage but it wasn't lost it no. was so i mean it was absolutely cracking yeah yeah what a set really um, really good and you know you sort of talk um when we were talking about losses before you kind of talked about and there are some things you see and you're like a fly you know you, you fly on the wall in there and you're kind of a participant in it mm. this was much more the kind of watching something on tv kind mm. of a set you know up on the stage and um but you know it was it was a real kind of masterpiece and, of and i it. think linking to that um the way that the sort of the lights and the sound supported the the set. Yes. And so, because I, I, it only just occurred to me now, actually, that with a beautiful set, sometimes you can get distracted by looking at other things mm. going on. Um, but I didn't find that because the, the lighting and the sound, it all gathered together to highlight where the characters were yeah. and not where the characters weren't. Yes. So that, that was another another way of sort of enhancing what yeah. the set was doing using yeah. the lights and the sound. And there was a lightning storm, an actual lightning storm, mm. minus the rain. But, you know, we got a, yeah, really smart, yeah, use of the sound and the lighting as well. So so what did you think? I really liked it. Yeah? I, um, it was a... It, I, the thing that came into my mind was it was a bit like watching an episode of The Archers. Mm-hmm. So there were these sort of, like, characters all wrapped up in their sort of self-important lives... And you know what? Everyone's life is self-important because you're living it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the stakes ultimately are extremely low. The the stakes are, you know, uh, one of these um, spinster ladies has sort of relatively inappropriate feelings for this young man that she's looking after. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can sort of see where it's going, but it's not going to be the end of the world, is it? Um, and so they just sort of like burble on in their in their lives and sort of try and try and make an unrealistic dream happen. Um, and it turns out that actually he wasn't falling in love with one of the old ladies. <laughs> uh, he would much rather go off and be a, a violinist. Violinist, yeah. Um, but you know, it was quite relaxing in in that respect. That um, 
you know, it's showing you all of these people's problems, but none of them are that big. None of yeah. them are, are too earth It was quite a gentle story in that mm. sense. I think, you know, the, the way I'd describe it, yeah, it's something that, you know, my mum would have loved it. Mm. Um, I I did not love it when I say that. I mean, I did struggle a little bit with the storyline, the idea of this sort of much older lady falling in love with this very young man. There was something that was a bit like awkward about it what? and that was not to do but that's that's the that's i think the that's play. what the play that's is not, about that's not that's not reflection on on this it was just that oh that just was a bit uncomfortable and mm. and they you know there, there was a point where um someone recognized this young guy's um talent he was playing the violin garden and a, a visiting um lady um her overheard it and she was trying to connect him with her brother who's a very successful famous violinist and and she wrote a letter to try and make the introduction and the ladies hid it. You know, they were like trying to keep him prisoner. And mm. <laughs> like, this is, you know. Well, um, we, we did say this, like, if you change the genders and you got two old men. Yeah. <laughs> with, that's, with not a a story, young lady, that's not a good story. It, it's slightly less pleasant. And I think it's sort of, it's credit to um, the ladies, um, the way that it was played by, uh, by Tina. Yeah. Tina Swain was playing Ursula and uh, with Shelley Bacall playing the um, older sister Janet. And so Tina and Shelley, it was a very fine balance to play those characters Mm. as lovely as possible. So when they do something that's really not that nice, you're (laughs) like, oh, it's so, I feel for her. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, The other person that I wanted to give a shout out to was Anna Barrett Mm -hmm. with with her comic timing. So she played a sort of put upon Cornish housemaid type lady. Yeah. And was just everything was just too much trouble. Yeah, <laughs> and every and it, si- it literally was everything was too much trouble, mm. and it was it was just genius. And every single time she she was asked to do something, she just had this look. She had a scowl, and oh my god, the, just seeing her face switch into yeah. that. Oh, guess, guess I'm going to have to do that again. But she didn't even, uh, yeah, she huffed, but then she'd, you know, she let you know exactly what she was thinking. Mm. She was so direct. She definitely had the kind of, yeah, the comic relief for it was mm. definitely um, in that character. And I thought it was really good. And I mean, going back to the sort of the, the love story, there was definitely, I would say there's to me as well, watching it, I think there was an element. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't as creepy as I sort of um, I'm suggesting, but there was a definite kind of question mark. Was it a, was it the unrequited love of a, you know, a woman who hasn't had that kind of like motherly experience? Um, you know, was there a confusion between that and, mm. and you know, falling in love with... Because they were, they were nursing this guy back to health. You know, um, the character Ursula, she was, you know, took the lead in trying to teach this young guy English to communicate, mm. to build that bond. So, um, you know, and that's the, the definite kind of bond he kind of developed towards her was that of you know someone who respected and, and cared about these people who were looking after him and, and saved his life mm, yeah they they definitely all loved each other mm. it's just whether or not it was romantic or yeah. familial love yeah that, that was the sort of conflict. and the confusion i guess between mm. that that can happen yeah. um but it was you know i just thought it was it was a nice it was a good pace of story it was it had quite an abrupt ending i thought as well yeah. Um, I know kind of that obviously logistically, you know, in the, in the sort of film version, they actually travel to London to go and watch um, the young guy, Andrea, in his in his kind of big performance. And in this, they're listening to it on the radio. So you do have that kind of the closure is, I guess, that at the end he's he's successful yeah, he's and they're listening in. Violinist. But it was a little bit kind of like we're listening at the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, that's just the play. Um, 
and um, but it was it was lovely to see them they all kind of got dressed up for the occasion mm. and although everyone in the village was listening together because they'd all got to know this guy they sort of with the the doctor character you know were, were what you know together the people who'd saved him and and let him kind of live his dream mm. um you know with the ones watching watching listening together um and i think it was interesting as well to see it set um, so it was set kind of um, between World Wars One and Two, and there was that kind of quite interesting overlay of you know the the fear of in another impending war, mm. which was an interesting and that sort of spectre hanging mm. over the the everything that they did. And so it wasn't like people would just be like, "I'm very worried about the war." Yeah, it it was actually just like in a very small action people would demonstrate that their entire lives were sort of based around thinking, what do I do yeah. if there's the next one? And it was... It, so, obviously, Janet, uh, the the older sister, had lost... Um, I do, was he a sweetheart? Is that what we were... It wasn't a husband, was it? A, it was, but it was a, a sweetheart. A man friend. Yeah, a man friend um, had gone off to war. And so she'd kind of... It, it felt very much like she'd almost had this big love, this big mm. marriage, but it had gone. And so then the younger sister was very much... You know what was that like? What was that like? And because she'd never even fear, had that, she'd never had it. And then it was that fear of Andrea was going to be leaving at some point. And I guess had he not gone off to um, be a violinist, the question was being asked: What well, if we go to war again? Will he have to go mm. to war? And so that that expectation of love and loss being connected mm. as well. Oh, I got really deep there. That was that, that was a really deep. deep. Can we put that in the description? <laughs> An exploration <laughs> of love and loss. That was my deep. Um, but I mean, it, it was so great. And, you know, I hope uh, to everyone who you got a chance to go and watch it. it you know, it was... Um, if I'm being nitpicky, yeah. sometimes I want to be nitpicky. Some of the transitions were a little bit slower. I would, I would like to... Well, you say that because they, they did have scenes. quite a few costume changes. Mm. You know, and particularly for the ladies, they changed an awful lot of times. And it's not that easy. That's true. They, That's you true. know, they were... And that, because you to show the passage of time and it wouldn't have been okay just to change their tops that they you know they were in and out of different dresses so maybe there was a way of smoothing that out um but i think it would have been challenging yeah i mean you could have put dorcas a bit more on stage huffing and puffing but then she did a fair (laughs) amount of that and um so i don't know unless you kind of added something in but there's that was quite a hard I think that was quite a big challenge with all mm. the, the necessary changes. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And as we say, there was a big old set that needed to be mm. dressed for each scene. Although I would say they did say between Act 1 and 2, they were going to... Because we had a sort of an early uh, interval in my showing. And they said, well, we will have to have a bit of a pause still where Act 1 to Act 2 um, change because there's a change that's needed to the set. I've got no idea what that change was. <laughs> I don't know what I was looking and I was like, I don't know what's changed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if anyone can let me know what that change was, spot the difference, I'd be appreciative. Um, but yeah, no, it was um, it was brilliantly done, um, you know, really well, uh, really well delivered by everyone. And um, and I just thought it was, it was just a, a really good piece of, mm. you know, like... I, I want to say I want to say old school theatre, but that's but probably it's, not... It's, it's sort of like, like tea time entertainment, yeah. isn't it? And I like the ones that have got, you know, beginning, a middle and an end sometimes, <laughs> you know. We need that sometimes. Yeah. But great. Well, um, so should we go back? Uh, yes, what else has Anna got and, to say? And listen to a little bit more from Anna. Wonderful. Yeah. 
I'm joined again by um, Anna, who is directing um, the Regina Monologues at the Mortings Arts Theatre. When is it on? It's on the 24th to the 28th of March. Fabulous. And you can get tickets um, at, um, well, you can, for the link will be on our website, which is stalmanspodcast.com, but you can also go to the OVO website yes. um, to get tickets as well, um, or pop into the Maltings. Yes. Have a, have a chat with them in there, pick up some other leaflets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so tell me about directing. You, you've directed before? I've never directed a play before. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's my first time Ooh. in the chair. I've directed a few musical things. Okay. Um, but I've never directed a, a play. But um, And so you're acting and directing. I'm not directing first. myself. No, I'm not doing you've, got a, co- you've got a co-director for that bit. <laughs> um, lovely Amy Connery, who Great. is uh, playing our Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. She is directing my monologues. Okay, okay. So you've got so two of you are act actor directors in it. Yeah. Um tell me so tell me what's um because obviously as director you've got this whole you know you've got to reread the play you've got to check you know check what you want to get out of it and then you've got to cast people how challenging is it to find the people that you you really want or did you have an idea of like in the kinds of people to fit it well we had a lot of interest um when we put out the casting call mm. but we're blessed in St Albans we've got such an extraordinary array of really mm. really talented actresses there's so many and I actually you know I had a job uh, you know I had so many really good people that mm. it was really really hard to cast because there were people that I would have loved to have in it and yeah. I just couldn't fit them in but I mean we've got a great cast they're all familiar um they're, they're all new to the play apart from me um but they're all familiar ovo faces we've got Lucy Crick, Steph Jones, Sarah Shipley um, Jill Priest and Amy Connery and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, wonderfully, we've got all of the original queens and director and writers all coming to our dress rehearsal. Oh, amazing! Which is going to be lovely. I mean, it's probably a bit of pressure for the other <laughs> new queens, but I, it's it's going to be lovely to have everybody from the original. Yeah. Um, and do back. you think so? Having been in it before, albeit you know, fifteen years ago, do you think you've um, taken things that were done in the first one or have you kind of started for like totally fresh? Um, I'm staying very true to what Rose did mm. um, with the first um, production actually okay. um, I'm staying very very true to that yeah that's a good idea I mean if I think works. well exactly if you've got something that works and then um, it's the an script. homage really rather than, <laughs> <laughs> rather than anything else and I wondered about the script so you mentioned um, you know as opposed to sort of the the portrait um coming over um i forgot which queen it was already anna please yeah i was just about to say that anna cleves <laughs> portrait was misleading slightly misleading and then it's this um you know internet dating version were there parts that you had to update slightly from 15 years ago or does it all just still work um there's the very very occasional tiny bit there in in the original there was um a comment about polyphonic ringtones on a phone okay. that obviously was new 15 years ago and now not so much <laughs> and now so, everyone's going what's a polyphonic <laughs> ringtone <laughs> but there's there's just a few tiny tiny mm. tweaks like that which we obviously we've I've uh, spoken to Rebecca about yeah and, you know, and she's she's tweaked it slightly before I think for uh, for a performance that was done in Prague fairly sure. recently so yeah so that's but it's it's just the odd word, odd word. and everything else is just exactly mm as it is brilliant and what do you think um you know i guess working um with amy to to direct you and and you're directing her so you kind of you're very much it sounds like it's um very much kind of like an ensemble piece in that you're all kind of on stage you're all there together yeah it's very collaborative i mean our rehearsals are like a girl's night out you know i should think so (laughs) 
sounds fun. I might just come it bring is. a bottle and join in. Um, and, and and so that's been sort of, that's worked very smoothly. She's sort of, yeah, everyone shares the vision for how it's going to come oh, together. Very, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And so in talking of girls' night, so this sounds a little bit you know um, you know we've talked before about this is a very vagina monologues esque in the sort of you know it's a girls like you say the rehearsal girls' night out. Is it going to be good for a girls' night out? It's perfect for a girls' night. Out. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the, the men guys all love it. Love too. it. We're not they trying to exclude love you. It as well. <laughs> It's very funny. It's got some beautiful women in it. <laughs> sell, sell. But it's a great girls' night out because I mean it's a short play. It was originally written for Edinburgh, so mm-hmm. it's Edinburgh length. It's it's less than an hour and ten. Okay. Um, it's a one actor. Uh, you can take your prosecco into the theatre, um, and then there's time afterwards to go out for cocktails. So brilliant. That sounds great. And then, yeah, there's lots of cocktail bars just over the road, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. And you'll laugh and you'll cry. Brilliant know. stuff. Oh, it sounds fabulous. So it's on the Maltings. Twenty uh, fourth of March was the start. Yes. 24th to the 28th great stuff and get your tickets you can see it thanks very much for coming to join us Anna it's lovely looking forward to it hi I'm Jake Ellicott join me and Lee Wood on our podcast A Pod Full of Saints a St Albans City fan podcast each week during the season we'll be giving our take on all things city to find the podcast go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St Albans podcast Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. That's a pod full of saints with Jake and Lee, part of the St Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. Well, there we go. It's been another wonderful show with you, Susie. Hasn't it just? I know. Well, you were all right, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it was not like the last time where it was the Ben show. This one was a little bit more even. It yeah. was, you know, we actually got involved too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, thank you for joining us. We've got quite a lot coming up. So hopefully uh, when you listen to us next, we will have reviews of um, 39 Steps, mm-hmm. which is taking place at the Maltings Arts Theatre. That's on the 12th to the 14th and the 19th to the 21st of March you can get your tickets uh, it'll be on the um, on stalbanspodcast.com mm-hmm. and in the description of the show um, then we will also be bringing you our review of the Regina monologues which will be that runs as Anna said to the 24th to the 28th so you'll hear our review of that one just a couple of days after it starts so mm. you can you know use us as your measure if you want to go you can sit in the you lobby will, and listen to go. it and then be like i might buy a ticket, I might buy a ticket. <laughs> um again ticket link to the tickets um in on st podcast.com and in the show notes um and previews more previews because there's lots more coming up now yeah so all of those will be fired high velocity into your ears <laughs> next time so well thanks ben Thanks, Susie. Thanks, listeners. Thanks to the Hearts Advertiser for supporting the show. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And thanks to everyone for letting us there come coming to see us, talk to you about talk to us about your shows, letting us come and watch the shows. Yeah, it's great. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. The Theatre Show with Ben and Susie, produced in association with the St Albans Podcast. For more St Albans podcasts, check out stalbanspodcast.com for full details on all the podcasts available and how to subscribe. To get in touch with The Theatre Show, email theatreshow at stalbanspodcast.com. The St Albans Podcast Theatre Show, out every fortnight on Thursdays.